Well, good morning to Summit. How are you? It's so good to be back with you all. And Glenn, I see you this time, brother. I saw you from the corner of my eye. I see you this time. <laughs> um, yes, as Brian said, the last time I was here, that was the Sunday before I moved to Ellsbury. And I did talk about that Sunday. I said that I don't adjust well to change. So I will say that my first month there was kind of hard because I was missing people like these guys here from Matthias. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was just mourning a little bit. But being in Ellsbury... It's kind of challenging. One of the things I've heard so far, like from like four people, they would say, if you didn't grow up in Ellsbury, you will not be accepted into the town. So that's one of the things I'm fighting against. And also, it's also having the mindset of a missionary because in the rural setting, they speak a different language in the rural setting. It's like, <laughs> So I had to revert back to growing up in Mississippi, the 20 years to try to relate to the people. But one thing I noticed at the end was this month I started running. The weather's been nice, so I've been out running, and I didn't know running would create so many conversations. So people are starting to warm up to me. They are starting to have conversations. The town is small. I think Ben said he was there this past Saturday, so it takes nothing to go through town. So as I'm running through town, someone's always stopping me on my way. So it's, God is doing a work, and his relationships are being built, and I'm excited about what's happening. So thank you again for your love and support. Um, today we will come from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Today I would like to talk about run the race. Run the race. So I just want to poll the room this morning. How many people love running? Raise your hand. Got one. All right. I used to love running in my early 20s, late 20s, somewhere early 30s. So how many people are like me? You don't enjoy running, but you do it to stay in shape. I see you. Yeah, I turned um, 35 on Friday, and I was telling a friend, I was like, yeah, I think that I'm going to give it five more years, and I think running is up. I can't do it. It's, it's, it's every year since 32, it seems like it goes downhill. So who, I, I figure everyone else is in this group. The old saying I only run when someone is chasing me or something is chasing me. <laughs> that will be me in five years. <laughs> so I think we all know that whether we are running a race, running to get in shape, or running for something, if we don't wear the proper clothing, if we are carrying extra weight like I was this month, I was huffing and puffing through Ellsbury, or if we don't wear the proper shoes or eat the wrong thing, our run can become very difficult or our run can be challenging. Where in our text this morning, the writer talks about running a race and how to run the race. I believe we have three, three types of people in the room this morning. We have those that are, run that are believers that are running the race, but they are weighed down by the things of this world or the things of life. Then we have those that profess to be believers. They are on the fence. They are deciding whether or not to run the race because they are struggling with giving up the desires of this world to run the race for Christ. 
And then we have those that are running the race for this world. They are running a race that doesn't end with Jesus being the reward at the finish line. But now, as believers, we all was chosen for a particular race from the very beginning. God told Jeremiah, I knew you before you was in your mother's womb, and I already sanctified you. Paul tells us in Ephesians, we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Now, I don't know which category you fall into this morning, but there's hope to finish the race. For the, for the believers in the room that are weighed down with the things of life, you can run the race because Christ can remove that weight or he can be strength in your weakness. For the believers that are on the fence, you can run the race because Christ is better than the things of this world that you are trying to hold on to. And finally, for the non-believer, you can run the race because run the race for Christ leads to eternity with him versus destruction of this world. Now, at the end of this chapter, we're not going to get there today, but it's talk about the unshakable things. But paraphrasing here, God told us that the next time when he returned, he would shake the heavens and the earth. And whoever and whatever that is not of Christ will not stand. So I came by, came back again to encourage you. Last time I talked about don't be afraid of the storm. Now I'm encouraging you to run the race. So let's look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The first thing I would like for us to look at is, Run the race determined to detach ourselves from every weight and sin. Run the race determined to detach ourselves from every weight and sin. We read here saying, therefore, which means for this reason, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. What is this great cloud of witnesses? Well, we go back to chapter 11. Chapter 11 is the hall of faith. And in that chapter is named people like Abel, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Isaac, and Rahab. The writer was informing the Hebrews about the people of faith and what those people of faith did. Those people of faith that went before them or us is the great cloud of witnesses. They are the ones that ran the race by faith, longing for the promise, and gaining a reward. So in the last part of this verse, it says, the race set before us. What is the race set before us? It is the Christian life. It is living for Jesus or following after Jesus. The writer is encouraging the Hebrews by proclaiming to them the testimony of everyone that ran the same race. There are two things he instructed them to do this morning to run the race well, and I think they apply to us today. They are. They must lay aside every weight and sin, and they must run the race with endurance. In this passage, the word weight, when a runner would train for a race, they would remove excess weight from their body to run faster. That would be actual body weight and the removal of clothes. That's why runners would lift weight to turn muscles into, turn fat into muscles, and by turning fat into muscle, it increases their ability to run faster. Then he said, lay aside the sin which clings so closely. See, here in this, these Hebrew Jews were struggling with the pressure of society. They were being persecuted by the other Jews because they were turning away from Judaism to follow Christ. They were fearing persecution, wanting to be accepted, and being excluded from their inheritance. They were ready to turn back to their old lives. He was telling them to lay aside the desires of being free from the persecution they were experiencing from the unbelieving Jews. That weight was slowing them down, and that weight was leading them to sin. That's why he says, sin which clings so closely. They were being influenced or persuaded to turn back to the old practices of Judaism. If they had turned back, they would have sinned against God. 
But isn't it the same for us today? Don't we find ourselves weighed down with the cares of this world or the sins that easily entangle us? Matthew 16 and 24, Jesus said, If anyone would come out to me, let him deny himself and do what? Take up his cross and... We do know the verse, right? Join in with me. Take up your cross and follow me. So to run this race is a constant dying to self or laying aside the weight of sin. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, those who enter into the discipleship enter into Jesus' death. They turn their living into dying. Whenever Christ calls us, his call leads us to death. God has chosen us to run a race, and it leads us to dying to every weight and sin or dying to the pleasure of this world. Then he instructed them to run with endurance. He knew what they were facing. He knew what they were experiencing. And he also knew that it was a long and it was a hard race. That's why he talked about the people in chapter 11, the people of faith. We must endure the hardship, have patience, and persevere to the finish line. We will face obstacles. We will bring, it will bring about doubt, fear, and things that will distract us from running. But have, have endurance and confidence that God will be the strength that you need to run this race. So our Great Commission says, go ye to all the nations and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. How can we go to the nation if we're not running the race? If we aren't running the race, how can we teach them to observe the things he has commanded us? We will never reach our full potential in Christ if we don't run the race. O'Fallon will become harder and harder to reach if we don't run the race. It would be hard to turn from the pleasures of this world if we don't run the race. It would be hard to love our enemies if we don't run the race. It would be hard to plant churches in rural and unreached areas. It would be hard to send missionaries to unreached areas if we don't run the race. It, we would not have genuine community in our churches if we don't run the race. Now, I know we have some sick people in the room, not mean in a bad way, and it's hard to run the race sometimes. But this is how you can run the race. You can run by every time you interact with someone, testify to them about the goodness of the Lord. Tell them, I could have been dead or I should have been dead sleeping in my grave, but God told death to behave. Now, that's an old school Southern thing there. So I know you probably don't know, but that's, that's a saying in the South that everyone will be a amen. <laughs> but if we confess to be Christian this morning, I don't care how old we are. The pistol was fired when God chose us to be believers, so we must run the race. I have a, I have a question this morning. What weight and sin are you needing to detach from this morning? What weight or sin are you needing to detach from this morning? Well, again, weight isn't sin, but it, all, it, but it can slow us down or keep us from running the race. What are some examples of this? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> watching or listening to things that we shouldn't. Now, watching that show isn't wrong. Listening to that music isn't wrong. But if it causes us to stumble or if it weighs us down or provokes lustful thoughts or unwanted desire, desire if we lack self-control, it can lead us to sin. The second thing. Drinking. We have the freedom to drink. And, but if, it calls, if we cope with it or we, it calls our brother or sister, sister to stumble, it has led us, it causes us to have a hindrance before the Lord. It hinders our run with Christ. And I know some people don't like to hear this, but the moment that you are tipsy, you are drunk, 
There's no separation between the two. And if you have reached that point, drinking has led you to sin. The third thing, family. Family is our first priority. But if we put family before God, that can become a hindrance. If we make an idol out of our family, we have sinned against God. The fourth thing, friends. Of course, when we're around friends, friends, we rub off on our friends, but our friends also rub off on us. And if they don't rub off the right influence, they could be a hindrance to us or they can lead us to sin against God. So we have to be careful of friends. And the last thing, seeking approval. We are wanting to be accepted by society like the Hebrew Jews, and we are being Christian behind closed doors or only around certain people. And we start living with an identity crisis. Now, these are a few things that, you, that I named this morning, but I want you to search your heart. Search your heart and see what is hindering you from running the race. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The second thing I would like for us to look at is run the race relying on Jesus. Run the race relying on Jesus. Here the writer is telling them how and why to run the race. Whenever we create a regimen, because we were talking about running earlier, to become healthy, we know it requires sacrifice and dedication. We are monitoring being very strategic in the ways we go about accomplishing this regimen that's set before us. So in verse 1, he told them what to do to run the race, and now here in verse 2, he is telling them how and why to run the race. I love this because when you go back to chapter 10, in chapter 10, he encouraged them by remembering their former days when they were first enlightened. And then in chapter 11, he encouraged them by naming the people of faith. And here in chapter 12, he has encouraged them to look to Jesus or rely on Jesus. Now, this is the part I love. He said, he never said, remember Jesus. He never said, by faith, Jesus did. But he said, look into Jesus in the present tense because Jesus isn't dead, but he is alive. See, we can run the race relying on Jesus because Jesus is sanctifying us. Jesus is keeping us. Jesus is protecting us. Jesus is sustaining us. Jesus is providing for us. Jesus is our all in all. Jesus is our bridge over troubled water. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus is our bread when we are hungry. And Jesus is our water when we are thirsty. Amen. We must run the race relying on Jesus. The writer knew if their own lives and the lives of others didn't motivate them, it is only Jesus that can motivate their hearts. He said, look into Jesus. He knew the only way we can attach ourselves from every weight and sin and run the race with endurance relying on Jesus is relying on Jesus. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, if we fix our eyes on Jesus and remain vertical, we will not be troubled, enticed, entangled by the things that are horizontal or the things of this world. We look to him because he is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. When Adam and Eve sinned, God knew the only way salvation would be brought to us is through Jesus Christ. Genesis 3 and 15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is when the gospel started, church. This is when our faith started. The people of faith 
in the Old Testament looked to the promise. They believed God and had faith in the promise, which was Jesus. Jesus was the promise, and he believed God and obeyed God to fulfill the promise. Now we look to him because we had him as the promise. Jesus crushed the head of Satan and he, and on the cross, and he defeated sin and death on the cross. This is our faith, church. This is why we run the race. Who y'all kind of a little tough crowd this morning? <laughs> I mean... I mean, I felt like I just gave a little bit there, and I was like, just. <laughs> we can run the race because we have Jesus. The text says, who for the joy that was set before him? What was the joy set before him? The joy was redeeming us, being obedient to the Father, conquering Satan, reconciling us back to God, making a way for salvation, and sitting at the right hand of God. But for Jesus to attain that joy set before him, he had to endure the cross and despise the shame. I believe the writer is saying Jesus is the only one that has ran the race perfectly. He wants us to rely on him because he is the only way we can complete the race, and he is the greatest example we must follow. God isn't asking us to do something that he couldn't do, and God isn't asking us to do something that he wasn't willing to do. If we are truly believers, Jesus, if we truly believe Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith, we will run the race. Once we understand the significance of the cross and once we are enamored by the cross, no one will have to beg us to run the race. We will be willing to run the race. How can we run the race? Because of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who saves and changes. How can we lay aside every weight and sin? Jesus. How can we run with endurance? Jesus. Mark Howe says this. When a person comes to know Jesus, they will know change. And if there is no change, there is likely no Jesus. Church, if we know and love Jesus, we will run the race doing our best to remove everything that is hindering us, and we will rely on Jesus to be the strength that we need. You know why I hear from many people that um, in the church or have left the church at some point? They say, I've experienced church hurt. And I believe we all will experience it at some point or in our life, but God did not hurt us. It was the imperfection of man that hurt us. If we are looking to Jesus, we will, li- we will live out Matthew 18. We will go to our brother and sister instead of shrinking back and running without exercising our gifts and talents in the church. I know it seemed like I just threw that church hurt in there, but this is my point. Let's look at Jesus' race. When Jesus went to the cross, Jesus was disowned and mocked by his own people. It was one of the 12 that betrayed him. It was one in his inner circle that denied him. It was the ones that cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then cried, crucify him. Jesus was stripped of his clothes and was hung on a tree to be mocked by the people that he was calling to himself. Jesus was beaten and was naked on the cross in front of his mother and friend. But what did Jesus cry out and say? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. That was, your, that was your cue there. That was your cue. You know what you're doing. When we see what Jesus endured going to the cross and what he endured on the cross, that's how we can forgive those that hurt us in the church. That's how we can come in and love those that have hurt us. It is because we are relying on Jesus. When I hear the story of the cross, I'm tickled sometimes. I laugh at how foolish the people were because if they had a grasp what they were doing, they wouldn't have did it. What they meant for evil was for our good. God, Jesus said in John 12 and 32, he said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, 
I will draw all men unto me. If they had believed that, they wouldn't have put him on the cross. Jesus was lifted that day, and ever, ever since that day, he'd been drawing people unto him. Every time a Christian is persecuted or martyred, it is broadcast around the world, a local town, and when Christ is glorified, more souls are being saved. So we should take joy in removing the weight and sin. We should take joy in not craving the pleasures of this world. And we should take joy because the more we are dying to self in this world, the more God is being lifted. And when Jesus is being glorified, souls are being saved. Amen. Amen. So there's a story. of You might know this story. Um, it's an Olympic runner named Derek Redman. He was considered one of the best athletes produced by Great Britain in 1992. He was a runner for the 400-meter event, and he started his race strong. He reached about 150 meters, and he pulled his hamstring. He said he thought he had been shot, but then he realized he pulled his hamstring. He knelt for a minute in tears. The doctors and officials started running to the track to help, but he pushed them out of the way, and he got up to finish the race. He knew he had lost, but he wanted to finish. Out of the crowd came his dad running to, him, to the track. They tried to stop him, but he had one goal in mind, and that was to get to his son. Derek didn't know who his father was at first, so he started pushing him away. But his dad said, Derek, it is I. His dad helped him to the finish line, and the whole time his dad kept repeating to him, you are a champion. You have nothing to prove. Derek knew he had a race to finish. The poor hamstring slowed him down. The doctors and the officials tried to remove him, but Derek kept his eyes on the finish line. Then his dad came to help and encourage him by saying, you are a champion. You have nothing to prove. He finished the race, but he was disqualified because his dad helped him. Church, we run the race relying on Jesus who will carry us to the finish line. Things will happen while we are running the race. We will lose loved ones. We will be mocked persecuted, mistreated, struggle with our old self, people please, become sick, be abused, feel unwanted. But just like Derek, pushing the doctors and the officials out of the way, we must detach ourselves from every weight and sin that hindered us from running for Jesus. Also, like, like Derek's fathers coming to help him, all fathers in the race helping us to finish our course. Jesus is saying, you are a champion because I've already run, won, but I need you to finish the race. He is saying, you have nothing to prove because I bought you by enduring the cross. So you are my son. You are my daughter. You are my masterpiece. And you are a royal priesthood. But I need you to finish the race because I want you to be seated in the heavenly places with me. Church, we should long for that day to be with Jesus. The songwriter says this. Oh, that day when free from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Full arrayed in blood-washed linen, how I sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Bring thy promises to pass. For I know thy power will keep me till I'm home with thee at last. Almost home, we're almost home. So we press on towards that blessed shore. Oh, praise the Lord, we're almost home. So in the beginning... I talked about three types of people in the room. We have those that are believers that are running the race and they are weighed, by the th weighed down by the things of the world. If that are you this morning, if that is you this morning, I'm going to ask you, like, you know that you've been entangled in sin and you haven't been running the race well, just repent 
And I'm encouraging, like, Jesus is the strength that you need. Just turn to him. He will give you exactly what you need to run the race. Then you could be that second group of people, the ones that profess to be believers and on the fence. Well, I do believe two people are in that group. We have those that are babes in Christ, and then we have those that I think we all know that everyone that profess to be a believer is not a believer. But if that is you, if you search your heart this morning, if you know that you are producing more ungodly fruit than godly fruit, I'm going to ask you to turn, repent, surrender to God, and join the race with us. And for the, for the one that is, that is a babe in Christ, get off the fence. We need you. Like we prayed this morning about what's going on in our world. How can we take our world back? How can we take our community, our school back? It's all about us running the race. So we need to run the race. We need to share the gospel. There is power in the gospel. So if that's you, just repent. Turn to God and jump in with us. And lastly, for the people that are not believers. Hey, I just encourage you. I plead with you. Yes, this world, it gives us temporary gratification. Yes, we can run out here and do this. I'm not going to lie to you like everything is gravy on this side of running the race with Christ. But Christ will be everything you need. Christ, the, the end goal is to be with him face to face. We do not want to end up in destruction of this world. So I'm pleading with you this morning to repent, surrender, believe in Christ, and uh, have faith in him and join the race with us. So this is the end of my sermon, but I hope you are encouraged this morning to run the race and let us pray. God, I just say thank you this morning. I thank you for being such an awesome and mighty God. Thank you for being so great, God. Thank you for just allowing us to gather and worship you. And God, I just thank you now for being the founder and perfecter of our faith. And God, I thank you for choosing us, choosing us to join this race with you, join a race that you have already accomplished. So God, I just pray that as we leave here this week, God, that we'll just keep walking step with the Spirit, God, that we'll focus on you, God, that in our weakness, God, that we will turn to you, God, God, that we'll understand that you are all that we need, God. And God, when we are entangled with the things of this world, when we are enticed, God, when we are flirting with the things of this world, God, help us to see that you are better than the things of this world. I love this because David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God, help us to see that you are better, that you are good, God, that we long for you and we long for your presence. So, God, I just pray for your endurance, God, as we continue to run this race. And, God, I pray that you give us boldness, God, that we go back to our homes with our family, with our neighbors. God, I just pray that we just live out loud for you, God, that we'll just live on mission for you, that we'll impact our community, God, because you are the only one that saves and changes. So, God, again, I ask for you to have your way. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.